In every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. Fun, 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 fun. Light speed to the wondrous and wonderful. Cover is not the book, so open it up and take a look. Ah, if it isn't the only bookworm in town. What's that word again? Inspired. I have to sing. I have to play. The music, it's, it's not just in me. It is me. We're happier when you don't sing. Welcome to Notably Disney your ultimate podcast covering Disney music and books. I'm Brett Knackman, your host. Here we dig a little deeper and explore the great wide somewhere about everything under the Walt Disney Company umbrella as it pertains to tunes and writing, from the theme parks and television screens to the Broadway stage and the silver screen, if it relates to anything Disney songs, soundtracks, books, articles, or other things that you can listen to, or read about involving Disney, we'll examine it here. Disney music encompasses a variety of unforgettable themes and genres, and one element found across many of them is their cleverness, be it in their lyrics, melodies, set pieces, musical talents, instrumentation, or perhaps a mix of all of these factors. On this episode, I welcome on two fellow podcasters, Tammy Tucky and Jeff DePauli, as we discuss what we consider to be the cleverest Disney songs. Come join along. Across the Disney theme parks, movies, television shows, Broadway productions, and other spaces within the Disney umbrella is a wide array of clever music. And here to uncover some of the cleverest examples of Disney songs, I'm happy to welcome back to Notably Disney, Tammy Tucky of the Tierra Talk Show podcast, as well as welcome first-time guest Jeff DePauli of the Disney Coast to Coast podcast. So really glad to have you both here today, Tammy and Jeff. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the invite. Hi, thanks so much for having me back uh, and not uh, banning me from the show. <laughs> I, I enjoy always being on your show, so thanks for having me. <laughs> No, my pleasure. Yes, we were referring back to the hilarious trivia episode from a little while back. Um, so we are here today. We're going to talk about uh, clever Disney songs. And I want to share a definition for cleverness because this was an interesting topic. I know we all had a lot of fun uh, in developing our lists, and we'll get right into that in a second. But if you wanted to really interrogate what is cleverness, uh, let's refer back to dictionary.com <laughs> and includes descriptors like witty, original in character or construction, showing inventiveness and ingenious. And I imagine that we all interpret, interpret cleverness based on our different interests and knowledge bases and proclivities. Um, but those are just a few ways of how we can deconstruct the idea of cleverness. And today we're using it as a guide in talking about Disney songs that ex exemplify these characteristics. 
So there's no set criteria here. I basically uh, told uh, both Jeff and Tammy, just come up with some examples. We'll share some honorable mentions, as well as our five favorites, and certainly I'll do the same. Um, but yeah, no, no rationale behind uh, cleverness. It was just how we interpreted it. Um, but that's some context on how at least dictionary.com defines cleverness. I'm imagining we're going to share uh, why we love these songs for their cleverness, uh, maybe stories and favorite lyrics, other fun facts. And uh, none of us shared our picks, so it's going to be really fun and surprising to see what we reveal today. So first, we are going to start with talking about our five favorite clever, cleverest uh, Disney songs. So we'll be rotating this out, and then later we'll share some honorable mentions that didn't quite meet the cut, but we still want to recognize as well. So Jeff or Tammy, who would like to start off our list of cleverest Disney songs? Tammy, you can go uh, ahead. I was going to say, Jeff, you could have the floor. No, you, you <laughs> but, <laughs> okay, so um, I'm going to start uh, with a Disney sequel um, because I, re I, I know a lot of people do not enjoy the sequel. I might not enjoy the film in its entirety, but I think that it starts out with this song. Usually there's a song that kind of starts out the film explaining what the theme of the film is going to be, who we're going to be following, etc. But this one kind of starts out, in a, I guess, in an odd way, but I love the way that they kind of craft the song. It's called Lesson Number One from Mulan 2. Like a cloud, you are soft. Like bamboo, you bend in the wind. Creeping slow, you're at peace because you know. And in, in place of Mulan, she has already come back from saving China. And it's been a couple of months since she has saved China. And now her and Shang are in, uh, hopefully going to be engaged to be married but at the time there's all these little girls in the town who look up to Mulan and think that she's fantastic and wonderful in everything she does and they want to be just like her and be a warrior but she explains to them that you know it does take a lot of toughness to be a warrior but it also takes um, a lot of perseverance and calmness in a way to connect um, and balance the two. So um, that's why I love the song because in particular, I think the cleverness of it is finding the balance between the two that Mulan sings two different sections, two different choruses. And towards the very end, she's singing the main melody while the two girl, while the girls are split into two different sections, singing the same two choruses that balance out the toughness and all the, also the tranquil of being a warrior. And I think that that makes it so much fun because again, it's an all girls song and it, it's saying that, you know, everybody has a chance of being a warrior, but then also the melodies all intermingle with one another. I just love that. And I always love that about the song. I got to perform it once and it's just so much fun. Um, so I remember that and performing it in my living room when I was a kid. So I'll say lesson number one from Mulan 2. And that, folks, is what we call a deep cut. <laughs> I've never even heard of this song. I think you would love it. I, it. It's so different. And again, there's children singing it. So it gives it like a different um, edge to it because, you know, sometimes people don't think, you know, hearing a song in a children's voice is like the most perfect thing. But it's so much fun to hear these girls. I 
can't even imagine what it must be like for them in the recording studio because it's 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 such a it's a song you just want to dance and perform too and I always was like kind of sad that it never made it to maybe a stage because I think children would have a blast with it so yeah definitely check it out when we're done talking because I think you will both enjoy the complexity of the song I don't know who wrote it but I think they did a, a darn good job of it <laughs> Yeah, I, I appreciate how you brought some direct-to-video uh, music into the mix here. So, Jeff, are you familiar with that song? I don't even think I've ever seen Mulan 2. I, I did go through a phase because all of the Blu-rays come. Like, if you buy the original, a lot of them come with the sequels. And so at one point I was like, you know what, I'm going to check these out. And I started checking them out, and I was like, I can't do it anymore. It was just, it was just painful. So. I stopped and I don't think I ever made it to Mulan 2, to be completely honest. I think that kind of dates me because I grew up with the sequels as okay. opposed to like, I, I was born in the 90s, but I watched the original films, grew up with them, but then I grew up also with the sequels. So like part and parcel, like that's how my make my emotional connection to it. Oh, and I do want to mention the composer is Joe McNeely, Gene Tessori, and the lyrics are by Alexa um, I'm going to say your last name. I think it's it's Jung. Is that how you say it? Which I find is so interesting. It's written by two different females. I think Joe McNeely just did the rest of the music of the score, but it's right. written by two females. Isn't that fascinating? How do you spell Jean's last name? Uh, Tesori, T-E-S-O-R-I. I think I butchered okay. that too. No, no, I think you're right. I was. It's just similar to another name that I thought it might have been that you were mispronouncing, but if it's spelled that way, you got it right, and it's not the person I'm I thinking. hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm well, like, I'm sorry if I butchered it. <laughs> very good. Well, that's a great pick. I appreciate you introducing uh, us to that song, Tammy. So, um, Jeff, how about you take it away with your selection? Sure. My first one is from the Disney Parks. And are you guys familiar with the song, I'm Walking Right Down the Middle of Main Street, USA? Oh, yes. Disney sing-along songs. Love it. Disney sing-along. A portion of it is used in the Welcome Medley for the Trolley Show at Magic Kingdom. And, and this song, you did, you said to focus on clever lyrics, if I remember correctly, in one of your emails. And so I, I was, you know, thinking of lyrics that I just loved of Disney songs that I thought were clever. And part of the lyrics, I'm walking right down the middle of Main Street, USA. It's the heart of America, the heartbeat of a holiday place was made with a magical plan and just around the corner is a fantasy land. I'm walking right down the middle of Main Street, USA. I love that line and just around the corner is a fantasy land. I'm like, that is so beautifully, it's just genius to me. I don't know. I, I just, it's the, the lyric in that song that always stands out to me. And I just think it's so darn clever because quite factually, just around the corner is Fantasyland. I love it. I think it's beautiful. It's a really- I, That's one of my favorites too, from the sing-along tape. I, I got to interview four of the cast members from the sing-along tape. And it was funny you mention it because now I'm kind of, I was kind of squealing. I had my microphone on mute. I w had that in possibly my top, um, probably my top 10. And um, I wanted to know who wrote it. And Stu 
nunnery did and i found him on facebook and we've been messaging earlier today because he's done work for disney so i'm hoping to do an interview with him but i really want to ask him about it because i love that lyric that you just mentioned it's just it's so it's so much fun to sing it because it's it, it it rolls off the tongue so well the one thing i wish is that it, they hit all the lands in the song like yeah. because because i love that so much and because it's done so well like it just kind of comes out of left field but then when they say it it's like oh my gosh that's perfect and yes right around the corner is a fantasy land uh, that i wish that we hit tomorrowland and frontierland and adventureland as well uh but listen i'll take the fantasy land i do want to mention though there's another lyric in that same song that um as, as brilliantly clever as that one is i hate this one just because of how uh, opposite of the truth it is the line goes tell your mother she's not to worry because no one's rushing there's no big hurry i'm like have you been to disneyland before everybody's rushing and everybody's in a hurry to get that to that first ride of the day so i found that kind of ironic yeah maybe it's a it's a supplemental messaging that maybe actually everybody should slow down when they're in the parks <laughs> right <laughs> true 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 oh that's a really great pick yeah, I, I remember watching that clip and hearing that song endlessly on the sing-along songs uh, tape. So really Yeah, nice. it's a great song. Absolutely. Well, Tammy, now we want to hear the, the songwriter on your show. <laughs> I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm messaging him. I was me messaging him about an hour ago. So when I do have him, I'll send you guys the interview because I'm really interested to hear how he was brought upon on the project because now it's in the parks now. So I'm wondering if he still gets some kickback on that. I, I love hearing it at Magic no, Kingdom. And he Disney does not. I, love I can it. guarantee you Disney bought the rights to that song and they can do whatever they want with it. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. But uh, it's cool to know that his work still lives on how many years? Like 30 years after that sing-along came out? <laughs> I gotta it's still honest, there? I, I know it from the parks more than I know it from the sing-along tape. Uh, I, you know, know it from the welcome medley at Magic Kingdom more than anything. Yeah, well, and that's, I think that's just a really nice illustration of how songs can be employed in so many different settings. And it just comes down to, you know, what we're, what we're most connected to in terms of the, the version. That's wonderful. Well, with my uh, one of my picks, um, I'm going to stay on the train of being in the theme parks, and I'm actually going to head uh, not to Fantasyland, Jeff, but um, rather to New Orleans Square. And I felt like I'd be remiss if I did not include Grim Grinning Ghosts from the Haunted Mansion music by Buddy Baker and lyrics by Exitensio. On this list, because when I think of clever songs and clever lyrics, I feel like this one fits the bill with its really inventive use of rhyming, um, the instrumentation, um, and there's a lot of modulation. So the key is constantly changing, um, which adds to, to it the level of just creativity of this piece. Um, I love uh, segments like when you hear the knell of a rec, rec if I can only speak, when you hear the knell of a requiem bell, weird glows gleam where spirits dwell, restless bones etherealize, rise in spooks of every size. This is the epitome of just a super smart song that really um, places a lot of emphasis on the um, really complex vocabulary that you hear um, within the song. Um, I think 
what's also nice is we hear a lot of different um, interpretations through uh, different characters throughout the mansion. We hear um, the singing bus and um, certainly uh, the Duchess at one point. It's been employed in a variety of different contexts. If you actually listen or if you watch the Pixar film Inside Out, you can hear Gringos in Riley's Nightmare uh, scene. It's um, it's a really clever song. Um, I love how it begins um, with, at least if you listen to the recording, you, you hear the organs with the, be the beautiful waltz from the ballroom scene. Um, word, the lyrics here are very precise and they exactly capture the ambiance associated with ghostly terror. So um, that's why I wanted to um, highlight Grim Grinning Ghosts. Yeah, Exitensio's use of language, not only in that song, but throughout the entire Haunted Mansion, the writing of that is un believable, especially considering the fact that the man wasn't a quote-unquote writer. The guy was an animator that Walt Disney pulled and said, well, now you're going to write this stuff. So it really is pretty mind-blowing, the quality of language used in that attraction overall. And just a fun little fact, do you know where the term Grim Grinning Ghosts comes from? Yes, uh, Shakespeare poem, v Venus and Adonis. <laughs> Yes, indeed, which I think is enlightening for a lot of people. I think that people always assume that, you know, he, he obviously had a way with words, Exitensio, and a lot of people probably think Grim Grinning Ghosts is a haunted mansion term, but indeed, like you said, it comes from Shakespeare, which I find fascinating. I love the Haunted Mansion, and I actually knew <laughs> that you were going to pick that one because I know that you had mentioned in the previous episode that you love the Haunted Mansion. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to just uh, step off and not even touch that one because <laughs> I think that's pretty well known that it's just so it's so rich in its language. And again, um, as a kid, you learn these words. If you're thinking of it as going to the attraction and, and being able to experience it, you're you're learning these words that maybe are um, something you wouldn't learn until middle school or high school and uh you hear them and then when you hear them in in class you go oh my gosh i i've heard that word before and you could you know shout it out to the teacher and say oh my gosh it's in the song or you know if there's a project like that happened to me several times when i was a kid and i i just thought that it was so fascinating and then you learn about the word and what it means so i i always it, it's just it, it goes on and on and on and it's so similar to how you know it's a smaller world kind of repeats and i feel like uh haunted mansion is the same thing but again it has more te texture and colorful words to, to describe what's going on so i love that too. That's fantastic. And I love that you pointed out the notion there of Tammy of, of these songs being educational in a way. I know that um, really applied to my own experience um, with a number of different Disney songs. And, um, and I imagine that's the case for many other folks as well. So I think that also speaks to the idea of um, these songs having meaning across different spaces in our lives too, not just our passion for the parks, but even just uh, our use of language, right? And our understandings too. Uh, I'd love for Listen, us to go ahead. I, I, was, I was just gonna say, I know, I know what the word expectorating means because of Gaston. I've always yes. been good at expectorating. It's spitting, essentially. It's <laughs> a very good it's, example. It, it, I, I wish that that kind of was brought back into some more attractions with different type of, of, of words being used that maybe are not the most common words to be used. Because I think that, again, it gives it a, a real, uh, a, a 
colorful texture is basically what I love from it. And um, I, I don't know. I, I love how words can play on words and mean so many different things because I'm sure that all of these songs that we're going to mention today mean something different or are taken in a different context by different people regardless of, of how the melody sounds, it's the words that get out the story point. And you can take that in any way you'd like. I've got to go on an old man tangent here just based on what you just said. And I completely agree with you. I wish that language that challenged people was used these days. But if you look at theme parks now, it's not about challenging people. It's not about introducing people to new things. It's about giving people exactly what they already know and already love. And therefore, we don't get incredible things like you know colorful language that might be confusing for some guests or attractions based on things that nobody know anything about. It's all about IP now because it's just... It, they don't challenge guests anymore. And I think that's really sad. Old man rant, done. No worries, no worries. <laughs> oh, and I think too, one thing along those lines in a slightly different way, but I'll just briefly add, I think too, we're not seeing many instances of original songs being used in the parks either, um, as we would- We did get one recently with Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. That's the, true. Uh, that's a, that song gets stuck in your head, but I, I wouldn't call it a challenging song, but I do think it's, a great theme park song. Um, how's it go again? The, oh gosh, I can't even think of it. It's such an earworm once you get off the ride, but da 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 da, da. no, that's, you've got a friend in me. I don't know, but it's a great song regardless. I can't wait to experience that attraction too. I, I, I have not gotten the chance to, and I've tried to be, I've tried to be, <laughs> have avoided it for, for a long time. And I know that a lot of people mention it on Twitter and I'm like, I know what you're talking about, but I don't really, I like, I want to really experience the attraction with the music there. I think that that is so impactful about how you, how you enjoy an attraction. And I, I think that's another reason we we love the music so much <laughs> and we have it on our iPhones all the time. Absolutely. Well, let's continue with our selections. Tammy, would you like to continue with your selection? Sure. I, I'm actually going to go to um, a Disney uh, t TV film. And this one was worked... Uh, was well basically the man who made all the music was Stephen Schwartz and this one's not very well known to a lot of individuals I think the reason I found it was because I was in my whose line is it anyway craze and I love Drew Carey I love the entire cast Geppetto. Geppetto. oh, oh that's yes, a good one you got it Geppetto um and not a lot of people it's that's it's Stephen like, Schwartz yes yes no kidding good music and, and in that <laughs> It is. It's beautiful. And I think to put in context, so Cinderella with Brandy came out. Um, huge hit. Disney wasn't expecting it. And um, followed by Annie. And then it was uh, followed by Geppetto, I believe, in, the, in that particular order. And mm -hmm. it was like the late night, the wonderful world of Disney on ABC at the time. And so Geppetto is uh, a turnaround on Geppetto's story um, uh, regarding Pinocchio. So it's more focused on Geppetto. And the brilliant song that begins it is called Toys. Whichever the case be, toys, they put a smile on their face, be quiet. 
And this uh, is about the town and the children come to Geppetto's to buy their toys. And they're just so excited for the new toy that Geppetto's going to release. That's that's their excitement through their town. While on the other hand, the parents are kind of exasperated because the toys make noise and they're expensive, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And that's what they tell their kids. They say, you already have too much. And Geppetto is looking to have his own child. And so he thinks that it's not fair that all these parents uh, seem to be treating their children in such a way when he's like, I would do this, I would give my children any type of toy. And again, with wordplay with Steven Schwartz, I'm going to kind of go from here um, where the kids uh, go and say toys. I'm in a room that is full of toys. I'm in a shop that is bursting with toys, with things to pummel and pull. I see toys you wiggle, toys you wind up, how I'll ever make my mind up. So that's what the kids say. And then the, ch then the parents go on to say, um, uh, where the parents say, no dear, that's much too fragile. No dear, that's too expensive. No dear, that makes too much noise. Remember mommy's headaches. No dear, you'll only break that. No dear, your dad could make that. You already have so many toys. Don't be greedy. Then we have Geppetto who has this really soft kind of part where he says, why is it the people who shouldn't have children who have children? Why is it the people who don't know how lucky they are who are blessed? Who is it? Why is it the ones that, who see children as bothers are the ones who get to be fathers when someone like me clearly would be the best? So each of the three parts has their own segment where they sing their part. And at the very end, it culminates to this all three are singing at the same time the same portions and the harmonies and the way it goes back and forth is just so layered and perfect you, you it, it's so much fun and it gets you excited and you really want to buy a toy by the end of the song so if you haven't heard it before uh take a look at this little hidden gem steven schwartz i got to interview him once and he was kind of surprised i even brought it up um but he was very happy that he got to do um a, 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 i think it was a, a junior version of the musical for students to do with mti so it yes. has been done at schools yeah i was going to mention that i was writing an article recently about some disney theatrical productions that like never made it to broadway or anything and i was surprised to find out that Geppetto is available for schools to uh, license essentially and put on productions and so it lives on. I actually really liked this special when it was on TV. It never really had much of a life beyond that. It's not something that you know Disney references all that often but wow great choice. I like that one. It's fun and I I think that yeah I wish it would have gotten more um, more play. I, I can understand it's it's not the best musical in the world, but it, it's the words and the way that Steven likes to mix up different parts is so much fun. And that's why I love that song. I would love to have that. If I ever were to teach a kid's choir, I would love to give them that song to play with. They would like have a ball. <laughs> that's awesome. I haven't seen that film probably since it debuted back in 2000. So um, I, I appreciate you uncovering that little gem. And I, to my knowledge, it's not on Disney Plus, but they have pulled some of the old Wonderful World of Disney uh, productions like Annie and, and some others on Disney Plus. So uh, maybe we'll see this uh, manifest once again. Oh, I hope. I know Drew gets a lot of flack, but he is a he has a very lovely voice. I think everybody, you know, Julia Louise Dreyfus is in it. She has a great voice. Wayne Brady. They have a really great cast and they're wonderful singers so um if true listens to this uh, i loved your performance and i think you're a really good singer so good for you <laughs> he definitely jokes about it a lot 
Um, he was not thrilled singing it, I think, but he loves Disney, so he did. I actually own the CD of this, so like I, yeah, I'm very familiar with it. It's that's so funny. That's awesome. <laughs> that's great, Jeff. Let's transition over to you and your next selection. Well, interestingly enough, uh, my next selection is Lyrics by Stephen Schwartz. And it's so interesting to me because I think so many people think of Stephen Schwartz as a composer lyricist, such as, you know, Wicked and Godspell and Pippin and Children of Eden and such. So it's always interesting to me when somebody who has such a skill as a composer as well as a lyricist is only doing lyrics for a project, which he often does with Disney. Uh, but this is from Pocahontas, and then the song Colors of the Wind. Come run the hidden pine trails of the forest. Come taste the sun-sweet berries of the earth. Come roll in all the riches all around you. And for once, never wonder what... And the lyrics are, you think the only people who are people are the people who look and think like you. But if you walk the, but if you walk the footsteps of a stranger, you'll learn things you never knew you never knew. And it's that last line there, you'll learn things you never knew you never knew. That I absolutely, I just love that. I think there's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of wisdom to that. And it's just for someone, fun wordplay. And it just reminds me of that Albert Einstein quote, the more I learn, the more I realize how much I don't know. And I just think it's super clever to fit that in that song. And to be honest, I'm not a huge fan of Pocahontas, but my favorite thing about it is the music. And of course, Alan Menken writes these beautiful melodies, but Stephen Schwartz lyrics in that film, really, really breathtaking. So you'll learn things never knew, never knew. I love that you mentioned Pocahontas because I was going to mention that the there was a stage show at Hollywood Studios before Hunchback um, took over that section, and it was the spirit of Pocahontas. And uh, they had an all Native American cast, except there are two John Smiths who are white, and they took it as a it was like a storytelling of Pocahontas as opposed to just it you know exact a stage version of the of the story, which I thought was beautiful. And they featured that song in it with um, all all the Native Americans playing the different types of animals. And oh, it's so beautiful! If you get a chance to see that, it's on YouTube. I wish I had seen it in person, but I did. I also got to interview the cast of that show as well, and they're so talented. It's beautiful, and I love their portrayal of the Colors of the Wind song because it's it's so much. It's it's very impactful. It's a definitely a classic. I actually saw the show not at Hollywood Studios, but um, when it was played at Disneyland in the Fantasyland Theater, and I still have really vivid memories of that. And you're right, Jeff. Um, the the, the thoughtfulness of the, the lyrics is just so beautiful. Um, I, I think too of the notion of, um, you know, references to certain s symbolic elements of nature and animals in particular, the, the grinning bobcat, why he grins. So there's another illustration of, of the same word being used um, in, the, uh, in the same block of, of lyrics. It's, it's really interesting and it's ultimately an Oscar winning song. So of course people uh, know it for its popularity and enduring nature over time too. Yeah, it's, um, I actually, I don't know why. I think I must have done an episode about those pop, the Pocahontas shows, the parks or something because I saw, I know exactly what you're talking about. 
Tammy, and I, uh, I saw like every Pocahontas show there was. I'm trying to remember why I did that for the podcast, but I did for some reason. So that's the great thing about YouTube, all of this old stuff that we never got to experience is still around. And of course, you know, it's going to use the most iconic songs from the movie in these shows. That's a great one. And I'm going to, I'm not going to stay on this Stephen Schwartz uh, train, although I would, would have liked to, but I am going to continue with our, uh, our good old friend, Alan Menken, um, for a, a newer song of his that I think is quite creative. Um, the lyrics here are by Glenn Slater, and this is I've Got a Dream from Tangled. I've always yearned to be a concert dealer's. Which I find to be really clever and um, ultimately ult- very winning to, to listen to. We have a ton of different voices coming in here. So primarily it's sung by Brad Garrett, who played Hook Hand, Jeffrey Tambor, who played Big Nose, and then, of course, Mandy Moore and Zachary Levi. Um, but there's a lot of the different thugs chime in at different points to illustrate their particular passions um, and, and their talents as well. Um, there's just really nice use of different instruments, um, the piano at, time, uh, at a moment when uh, Hook Hand references Mozart, so that's kind of um, tongue-in-cheek. and um, and you know, a, a nice, I guess, uh, manifestation of that, you know, the, the character is playing the piano and ultimately um, it, that's used very nicely um, um, orally as well. So we can listen to that. I, I think the vocabulary here, we're talking about clever wordplay is uh, lovely here. We have words like uh, femurs, blighter, goiter, sublime um, as a few examples of, of just really great words and you know mind you they're uh, malicious mean and scary um, but that's such a, a marked contrast to the sensitivity that they show in terms of some of their interests like uh, Vladimir collecting ceramic unicorns um, it's has it the signature Minkin memorability it's a very buoyant melody um, and ultimately, I feel like a lot of the instrumental choices are quite fitting, um, given that it's a pub. Um, it, it feels like that you are entrenched in that uh, type of environment um, because of the, the type of, I wouldn't say it's a sea shanty because it's certainly not, but um, in terms of that notion of camaraderie among these group of uh, rugged fellas. And uh, I, I love it for a number of reasons, and I find it to be um, really illustrative of a clever song. Yeah, Tangled is so good. I feel I feel like it's so underrated. You know, it's you know it's a pretty popular movie, but uh, whenever people think of like the second Disney animation Renaissance, they immediately go to Frozen. And I'm like, guys, but Tangled, Tangled was so good. And correct me if I'm wrong. Was this not? First of all, it's been a decade. It was ten years yes. ago that it came out. And is it not like the last Walt Disney animated feature that Alan Menken wrote music for? Yes, that is the last one. That's insane. That's insane. Ten years ago. I he's done a you know, he did some stuff for the Tank TV series, and he's done a lot of like little things. He went back and did the Beauty and the Beast live action and stuff like that. But it's crazy to me to think that it's been ten years since Alan Menken wrote music for Walt Disney animated feature. 
in a in a big big way crazy yeah, I echo exactly what you said there, Jeff. And, you know, thankfully his talents are continuing to be used too for um, television projects. He did amazing, talk about clever lyrics. If folks want to go back and watch Galavant um, and, uh, and that was just wonderful music. And then more recently, you know, they're working on the Beauty and the Beast uh, prequel series with Gaston LeFou. So he's keeping busy, but I agree. We need another animated feature with Mencken music. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say that um, uh, I said I think it plays in part to, uh, you know, Alan Menken probably hasn't been, you know, doing music for the, the films, but uh, didn't he also do a song for the Sinbad ride overseas yes. for Disneyland? Because I, I feel like it's so interesting now he's made his jump from the films to the theme parks, which I think is also wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, he's definitely doing a lot still, and I'm sure I don't think the guy is not busy by any means. But it is very interesting. The next animated feature that his music will be featured in is not a Disney one. It's the the new one John Lasseter's working on over at that other company. I forget what the name of the company is, but I mean, John Lasseter was wise enough to recognize, oh, this guy isn't being utilized in the world of feature animation by Disney anymore. So I'm going to grab him and I'm going to use him. So regardless of what you think of John Lasseter, I think that's a very smart move. Absolutely. Well, I, I'm excited because I heard that they're going to kind of pull him back in with the new Little Mermaid live action film, potential yeah. Hunchback, and then Hercules on Broadway. So I'm, I'm ready for the Hercules on Broadway. <laughs> that's, all, that's all awesome, but like it's got to be frustrating for him. Those are three projects he did decades ago. You know what I mean? Like just creatively i'm sure the money's great but it's probably a bit of a snooze i would assume well I, he's been doing some really great additions to the the musicals and sure. so yeah i i think it was interesting because i got to meet stephen schwartz at um one of the hunchback notre dame shows in paper mill playhouse um and it was so interesting to hear how they both enjoyed so much going back into the story and creating new things. So I can understand, yeah, you're going back to something from so many years ago, but then it, bringing a team member like Steven Schwartz back with you and to do something like that, I think that's really cool. But I'm, ex I'm, I'm really interested to hear about that new project. I didn't know he was on board with that, with that new film. So I'll, I definitely have my eyes on that. <laughs> yeah, I'll tune in for anything Mencken does. So, yeah, it's incredible. By the way, that Hunchback stage show, one of the greatest theatrical, theatrical experiences ever. Amazing. And if folks have oh not gosh, listened yes. to the studio cast recording of that, get your hands on it. It's amazing. Yes. I wish they had brought it to Broadway. I think they knew yeah. that they couldn't because of how big it was. But uh, I love anything Hunchback. I miss it in the theme parks, too, because their show was unbelievable as well but i agree with you it was one of those best i was like the, my i was like let me throw you my money at you i'll just come and see it every day <laughs> yeah, so good yeah i i was so fortunate when uh the hunchback um, musical was playing in madison wisconsin where i had been living over recent years they, they it was a stage concert and it was kind of like what you're saying jeff one of the best experiences i've had in a theater setting and that album is phenomenal and and a lot of um there's at least several tunes that weren't in the um in the original 96 film so that's a good one i know we have a lot to continue to talk about so i'm gonna ask tammy to share her next selection
Okay, let me see here. I have, sorry, I, I had, because I had to exit out, I exited back into my emails here, no, my documents. Um, so my next one, I'm actually, I'm actually going to go to the theme parks with this one. This was tough because I just like, there, there are these moments where you are so exhausted at Magic Kingdom. It's been a long day. You're hot and sweaty. You need to go and get some AC. And what perfect entertainment can you get other than Sunny Eclipse at the uh, Tomorrowland restaurant that they have there at uh, Starlight Cafe? And I love, I, I will sit through the whole 45-minute set. I really don't mind because I really enjoy it. Uh, George Wilkins, who wrote the songs for Cal David to sing, and George Wilkins is known for his Horizon song um, and so many other amazing things he has done as well. And I've interviewed him and just, he's a brilliant person and so smart. And I just love all of his lyrics for these songs. They're so unusual, um, you know, Out in Space, Gravity Blues, Starlight Soup and Salad, Bright Little Star, Planetary Boogie, You Nork, You Nork. Um, but my favorite that I love is Hello Space Angels. Because it's it's clever in the way that it's explaining why <laughs> there's only Sunny on stage and you're hearing all these harmonies like where are they coming from? So he explains that they're invisible angels <laughs> that come out of uh, out of thin air, and I just thought that that is like as a kid I didn't, never got it, but I was so fascinated with it because I love the space angels and their harmonies, and uh, and when he explains it, you know, it, it's it's so much fun when he says whenever you sing with me my friend my fans all adore us you wing with all my harmonies you're always on cue space angels just know what to do and it's just a fun really cute little song and it, and a fun fact with that is one of the space angels is cal david's wife and uh, it was two of her friends that took part in doing the recording and they recorded in this like really small garage and uh, one of the space angels was pregnant with her um, with her child at the time. So it was really tough because they were, had to get into this l little section to do their three-part harmony. Um, but uh, I just, I love anything to do with Sunny Eclipse. And uh, it's always a treat to eat my French fries and drink my Sprite while I'm enjoying my space angels. <laughs> yeah, Sunny Eclipse is always a win. The alf of the Disney parks. I love them. Exactly. Um that's just a, another fun use of, there, there's such, and, and I think Sunny Eclipse is another example of where so many times great characters are those who kind of break the fourth wall. And it's, I, I feel like he's also kind of um, demonstrative of that and just the interactive nature that you feel and, you know, eating next to an audio animatronic, it's really neat. And his jokes are great too. I just, <laughs> yes. some of them are dated and some of them are like dad jokes, but I enjoy them a lot. <laughs> it's a good, clever choice there, Tammy. Let's turn it over to Jeff. So we cannot have a conversation about clever lyrics without talking about Howard Ashman, who is perhaps uh, one of the absolute best at it. And, you know, I'm going to go to Beauty and the Beast with this one. Honestly, you could pick any song that Howard Ashman wrote lyrics for 
more, I think, to call clever. But I'm going to talk about the song Belle for a second. There goes the baker with his tray like always. The same old bread and rolls to sell. Every morning just the same since the morning that we came to this poor provincial town. Good morning, Belle. Morning, Monsieur. And I love the little piece that goes, oh, isn't this amazing? It's my favorite part because you'll see here's where she meets Prince Charming, but she won't discover that it's him till chapter three. And I just love how clever the foreshadowing of Belle's story is in these lyrics. I think it's super smart, super clever. And even just the idea of that big opening number. I think Bell is about seven minutes long, that song, which is a crazy way to start an animated movie for kids. So just everything about Bell, but specifically that little portion there, I, I just, every time I hear it, I'm like, it's just so, so smart. I love it. I love uh, that somebody had made a video about why um, maybe the live action beating the beast doesn't work as well. And they did a comparison with that line. They said, you can hear Paige O'Hara smiling, saying that line. And you can, yeah, you can absolutely hear it. As with Emma Watson, no, you know, I understand she was trying her best, but there, there's no liveliness to that. And again, that's live action. You know what I mean? That's as animated as you're going to get. <laughs> you know what I mean? In animation, it, it's difficult because you have to just do it through voice to get your, your emotions across. And Paige does that brilliantly. And again, again, my favorite part of that song too. I'll sing it all day long. <laughs> I love singing well, it when I go to the fantasy land section too, by the, by the, the fountain. <laughs> It's interesting that you say that, though, because I'm sure you've seen the documentary Howard or yeah. even Waking Sleeping Beauty. And you, you've seen those scenes of Howard Ashman working with the singers. So at, when you were talking about, you know, you can hear Paige O'Hara smiling as she sings that, I guarantee, not, that, not to take anything away from Paige, but I guarantee that that was a note that Howard Ashman gave that was like, smile more when you say this which unfortunately we don't have him around to say that anymore to you know anybody else singing the song but yeah i i totally get what you're saying and he was very particular about the way he wanted his lyrics sung so i would bet money he said smile here you know it makes me think too, kind of drawing on the Howard documentary as a platform for kind of interrogating how our how our lyrics sung. It makes me think instantly of that session between him and Jody Benson, uh, Ariel from The yeah. Little Mermaid, in regards to singing "Part of Your World" and how to enunciate um, certain lyrics in in a way. And I think I, I seem to recall footage of that with Paige O'Hara too. So I think that was just a testament to. Um, being able to receive good direction from a great lyricist to capture the precise feeling. For sure. And if anybody listening has not watched Howard on Disney Plus, check it out. And then uh, if you want, give a listen to the interview I did with the director of Howard, Don Hahn, on Disney Coast to Coast. Plug. Sorry, I just did that. <laughs> no, that's quite all right. And and yeah, Don Don made the rounds because he was on Notably Disney too with uh, producer Laurie, uh, with his producer Laurie. So um, yeah, it's a great film, and I, I think I think we might be sharing the same same wavelength here, Jeff, because my 
next choice, as I had it listed in my document, is also from Beauty and the Beast, um, but it's not Belle, um, although I think it's fantastic. And uh, I wanted to highlight Be Our Guest. Beef ragu, cheese souffle, pie and pork on flambe. We'll prepare and serve with flair a culinary cabaret. You're alone and you're scared, but the banquet's all prepared. No one's gloomy or complaining while the flatware's entertaining. We tell jokes, I do tricks with my fellow candlesticks. Which, again, music by Alan Menken and lyrics by Howard Ashman, and this is sung. Uh, primarily by Jerry Orbach and Angela Lansbury. Um, of course, this is one of the many major musical numbers from the film. Uh, musical numbers from the film. It's essentially akin to what you might maybe see at a French review. It shows Lumiere as that suave and flamboyant candlestick. The choreography echoes something from a Bugs, uh, Bugsby Berkeley film, and it's the type of song that builds anticipation anticipation because it has kind of an interesting crescendo to show the level of excitement building and then it's just nonstop craziness by the time the song uh, concludes. Uh, of course there's that section in the middle where Lumiere is reminiscing about the past and it kind of changes in tone but this is an earworm. This is a song that most any person who, who loves film music, um, less Disney music definitely knows. But what makes it clever is not only just the um, extravagant music, um, but also, of course, the lyrics. There's a, a lot of uh, nice use of French language, uh, French uh, vocabulary in here, um, and of course, uh, culinary terms and things that you might see if you are in a kitchen. Um, there's references to hors d'oeuvres, and um, Mrs. Potts talking about um, the coffee brewing, um, uh, and it's just, or the tea, I should say, and it's, uh, it has great use of chorus, it's a quintessential Disney song, um, and I think it's just absolutely clever and inventive, and it never gets old because it's a Howard Ashman song, and it's one that you'll be humming uh, for many, many years. It's always amazing to me how these, I mean, let's think, Beauty and the Beast is now almost 20 years old, you know, I guess 18 years old. Am I doing the math right? No, 30. No, almost 30. 30 years. Oh yeah. my gosh, almost 30 years old. Holy moly. Uh, well, uh, it's amazing to, to think that a song that's almost 30 years old from the Disney Library is still used regularly and not just for Beauty and the Beast attractions or anything like that. Like, it'll just be in a Walt Disney World commercial. Like, it's as iconic as, you know, a dream is a wish your heart makes or when you wish upon a star. It's, you know, it's classic. I can't wait to experience that new attraction that they just opened overseas that has oh, that yes. entire song as the as a segment of the ride. And, oh, gosh, I've been trying to avoid watching any video footage of it because I really want to experience it again. Um, so I, I, I just it's so catchy and you just want to do a kick line at the very end. <laughs> you got that right. Well, let's uh, let's share some more selections, Tammy. Okay, we're down to our last two. So I'm going to go over to Villainland. I love villain songs. I am a sucker for them. I just love them dearly. Um, I know there are so many different ones that are used all the time. And I could go on and on. I love Hellfire. I love Poor Unfortunate Souls. 
Um, but there's another one from, again, a Disney sequel. Uh, this one is from The Lion King 2, Simba's Pride, sung by Susan Flechette um, as oh, Zira. Yes. And this one is My Lullaby. I've been exiled, persecuted, left alone with no defense. When I think of what that brute did, I get a little tense. But I dream a dream so pretty that I don't feel so depressed. Because it soothes my inner kitty and it helps me get some rest. The sound of Simba's dying gasp. <gasps> His daughter squealing in my grasp. His lioness's mournful cry. That's my lullaby. And I love I, the cleverness of this is it's the villain's own lullaby to their 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 little one, their little cub. And I don't think we've ever had a Disney song where the villain's singing to their child in this retrospect. But their lullaby, uh, Zira's, is the melody of angry growls, a counterpoint of painful howls, a symphony of death. Oh my, that's my lullaby. Or the sound of Simba's dying gasp, his daughter squealing in my grasp, his lionesses, his lionesses mournful cry, that is my lullaby. And it's just so deliciously evil. I love how Zira takes glee in this entire segment. This is, this is her happiness. And because she's really cruel and mean throughout the whole film, this is like her true happiness comes out in this song. And um, I, I think it's just so much fun to listen to and hear her, her, her give a lullaby to this little cub that's just so deliciously evil. So I, I, I'll put that as my, my next one. That's a great, that's an interesting niche pick as well, Tammy. And you know, you, you said Suzanne Plachette, of course, we know voicing um, that character Zira, but also I think of, not that it's a musical, but it's still a great, funny 1960s Disney film, The Ugly Dachshund. She was Dean Jones's wife in that uh, dog film. So nothing related to clever yes. music, but it's oh. a great, it's a great fun movie on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Oh, I love that one too. We have it on DVD when it came out like a couple years ago, like with the Happiest Millionaire and the one and only Genuine Original Family Band. Yeah, I'll, I love it all. <laughs> I don't think I've seen Lightning Two. Does <gasps> Plus have all of these, you know, direct-to-video sequels? Most of them. Uh, I saw the Little Mermaid Two was on there. I don't have Disney Plus. A friend of mine does. I know I'm horrible. I should have it by now. Um, but I, I I saw a couple of them. They should be on there. I enjoy The Lion King Part Two. I think it's fun to kind of get a different to see Simba dealing with different things and also having Kovu, who all of the girls had crushes on. So you know how there was like a generation that loved, um, uh, what's his name, Robin Hood? There's like this whole generation that loves Kovu, who is this love interest for Simba's daughter. And uh, so, um, and it's interesting because there's like so many different uh, people who are coming in, like Nev Campbell is the voice of Simba's daughter and um, the voice of Max Goof, Jason, Jason Marsden. He yes. is Kovu. So, um, and, and, and the, all, the entire original cast actually comes back too. So, except for those who have uh, died. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's a, I, I really enjoy it. And there's so, there are a lot of catchy songs in the, in the movie. So I, uh, please enjoy it. Let me know what you think. I think if, if I'm remembering correctly, and I may be wrong here, but I think there are even some songs that were written for the Broadway show 
that were added to Lion King 2. Because Lion King 2 came out after the Broadway show, right? Broadway show is 97. Yeah. Yeah. He Lives in You is featured. He Lives in You. Yeah. Yes. And then Heather, um, I think her name is Heather Heatherly, who is playing Nala on Broadway. She does the closing credits version of Love Will Find a Way, which is the love song. So um, that was really cool to hear her do that. I think she was doing, what was the Elton John? Aida. She was, I think they were in beginning stages of oh, that. Right, right, right. Yeah. We know far too much about this minutia. <laughs> this out there. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that, that's why we're all here on this podcast, right? <laughs> right. We know the minutia. Jeff, how about you share your next selection? So this next one, uh, earlier this year, I did an episode of my podcast about the music that Stephen Sondheim did for Disney. And for those who may not know, Stephen Sondheim is an American legend. He is one of the greatest composer lyricists uh, for the American musical theater. And he wrote music for Dick Tracy, interestingly enough. Um, And there's this song in Dick Tracy called What Can You Lose? And I'm just going to read all of the lyrics. I apologize. It's a little long, but I have to just because I couldn't. I, I, as I was reading through, I'm like, I can't not read all of this. Because just listen to the language. Listen to the order in which he places the words and the meaning of the words, it's just so beautiful. It goes, what can you lose? Only the lose. Why keep concealing everything you're feeling? Say it to her. What can you lose? Maybe it shows she's had clues which she chose to ignore. Maybe though she knows and just wants to go on as before, as a friend, nothing more. So she closes the door. Well, if she does, those are the do's. Once the words are spoken, something may be broken. Still, you love her. What can you lose? But what if she goes? At least now you have part of her. What if she had to choose? Leave it alone. Hold it all in. Better a bone. Don't even begin. With so much to win, there's too much to lose. Oh, my God. It's like... (laughs) It's like a poem. It's it's this heartbreaking love song about you know you, you know somebody who's obviously madly in love with the person and is has a beautiful friendship with this person and wants it to be more, but is worried that if they try for it to be more, it could ruin what's so good about it currently. Ah, I just love once the words are spoken, something may be broken. Oh, at least now you have part of her. I mean, who hasn't had that emotional feeling of, well, I can't have exactly what I want, but at least I've got part of it. And maybe that's good enough, at least not to disrupt what I have. Oh, God, leave alone. Hold it all in. Better a bone. Don't even begin with so much to win. There's too much to lose. Oh, I'm done. Put a fork in me. So good. 
I've never seen Dick Tracy before. Oh, I've never heard the no. song. I know I'm a monster because it's like everybody. It's not on Disney Plus, sadly, but it's no. so. I wonder good. why. I, I I know Madonna's in, it and I love Madonna. So that was one of the things I really, really would love to see. Um, because I, 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 I'm a big fan of uh, MGM Studios, and I know that they used to have like segments of Dick Tracy and attraction, uh, like a, a set pieces and costumes always prominently featured. They and I did. Yeah, and I, I would love to, to watch it in its entirety because I, I really don't know anything about it, and I've kind of stayed away because I don't want to know anything about it until I see the whole thing. So that sound, I love the, I love that. So interesting. Yeah, it really, I mean, it's Stephen Sondheim, man. It's just, it's Stephen Sondheim. And I, I could, yeah, it's just, it's too much almost. It's overwhelming how beautiful the lyrics are in that song. I just love it. Uh, you know, I, it's, it's more than clever. Clever doesn't even do it justice. It's, it's brilliant. Now, that's a wonderful selection. I also think of the Back in Business song, um, which is yeah. also, which is super different tone, mind you, but very catchy. Um, love that one. Did you happen to hear my episode? Um, I, I did it with uh, Adam Walker from Disney Plus's Encore. If you've seen that show, he's like the music director on that show. And he, you know, obviously loves Silent Time as well. He's a composer as well. And he really had a lot of good insight about just Stephen Sondheim's work on Dick Tracy. Um, so if you haven't listened, if you're a Sondheim fan. Oh yeah, Sondheim. I was going to say you can't get much better than Sondheim, but then that would also be disrespecting folks like Ashman and Mankin. But they're, they're, they're in the legends. They're like the Mount Rushmores of uh, wonderful uh, 20th century and into the 21st century uh, musicians. And yeah. uh, there's this... That's great. Love that. So my next pick, I'm actually going to do a little bit of trivia here. I'm going to, just to make it a little bit fun, I'm going to, and I promise I won't judge, um, I'm going to share some lyrics from my next selection. I have a feeling, Tammy, you'll definitely know this. Jeff, I imagine you probably would too. Um, this song turns 20 um, this year, and it starts with the following. There are despots and dictators, political manipulators. There are blue bloods with the intellect of fleas. There are kings and petty tyrants who are so lacking in refinements, they'd be better suited swinging from the trees. The Emperor's new groove, what's his name? Cusco. <laughs> I'm so glad you chose an Emperor's New Groove song. Thank you for that. <laughs> when you said it was 20 years ago, I'm like, oh, this is going to be one of those ones that have a huge fandom that I like had kind of just aged out of at that point. So I do not have like that emotional connection to Emperor's New Groove or Hercules the way some people do, but uh, I do recognize oh. very, very popular <laughs> among us an age group for sure. It's, so, yes, this is a, a, a great song. It is Perfect World from Emperor's New Groove. It has, it was Emperor's New Groove a musical? It was supposed to be. Yes. It, the, there's a whole story behind box. it. Sting. Yes. Yeah, I've seen the Sweatbox. So Sting. But, like, it didn't end up being a musical, did it? 
No, no there's elements. Not really. Yeah. Is it like Tarzan, where like there's Phil Collins music in the background or something like that? It, it kind of. Yeah, kind I, of. I, yeah, it it didn't. It wasn't what it's supposed to be. Actually, I had um, snuff out the light on my uh, honorable mentions because of Yzma's song that was completely oh cut. Oh my god! Yeah. Because I was I was just gonna say the wording of that because there's no visuals with it. The wording of that is so fantastic and poor Sting. <laughs> he only has one song that makes it but you know they have the ending song my funny friend and me that made it and was nominated for an oscar and there's a stings version of that is on youtube uh performing at the academy awards it was really well done so um but yeah i don't it never was the musical musical that was supposed to be and such a shame because there was such potential and another one that i love which i didn't include in this list but it was on my um, forgotten Disney songs episode um, with Jim Fanning. It's also cut from the film um, by Sting and David Hartley. Um, and that was uh, One Day She'll Love Me, which is a beautiful love song. Oh, oh, I love that love ballad. It is so weird. It is so not a Disney love ballad that it no. is a Disney love. It's it just, it's, it's not your typical love ballad. And I love it. It's so pretty. There's I would so love to perform that live. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to hear it. And um, yeah, there were a bunch from Emperor's New Groove. I do want to just briefly mention Perfect World. I think we're on our Emperor's New Groove high right now. Um, so some reasons why I picked it per what I shared in terms of the lyrics. It's extremely um, quick and inventive. It's zippy, upbeat. It has a big band flair with a kind of a Latin undertone. There's a lot of Vegas pizzazz and that's um, because it is performed by Tom Jones, and it um, it's very bombastic in scope. It shows Kuzco's arrogance and power, the haughtiness. We really get a sense of the character from that first song, and and it sets up the the tone for the empire that he leads, and um, and ultimately the the ways in which he changes, and that's also indicative, um, or actually I should say that's also illustrated in the reprise at the end of the film. Um, there's um, some changes in terms of the lyrics to show how Cusco has evolved. Um, and, and the reprise is much more instrumental, um, but it talks about um, actually the uniformity and collectivism in the form of lyrics like, if, if you ain't got friends, then nothing's wor worth the fuss, um, which I, I think is really uh, touching. So. It's one of these songs that gets me in a good mood. It's on my upbeat Disney playlist because it's energetic. And ultimately, I'd say the, the lyrics are extremely clever. Um, and I absolutely, absolutely love it. So there you have it. <laughs> Yay, good Gosh. pick. I love it. Bravo. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Okay. Song. Well, we're, we're, in the, we're in the final round. Okay. okay. So my, my last one. Yes. I, I think... Yeah, again, I am I, am I batting four for four right now? You guys did not have any of these on your list, the ones that I picked. I <laughs> I'm like, how much money am I in the hole now? <laughs> <laughs> um, so this one is also from a sequel, but it's part of a trilogy for, for this film series. You and the sequels. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know what? There's a reason. I think you guys are going to kind of agree with me on this one. So this one's so much fun. And because I was just going through all of my music on iTunes and I had purchased the song specifically for my, my iTunes list because it's Robin Williams returning as the genie uh, for Aladdin and the oh, King yes. of Thieves. And this is the exposition of the beginning of the entire 
film. So this is, we, we, we know what's going on, what's happening and uh, what all the characters, uh, what they're all focused on, what they all care about. So the song is, there's a party here in Agrabah. Here in Agrabah, there's excitement in the air. People pouring in from every part. The Jasmine and Aladdin are gonna have a wedding. There's a party here in Agrabah. Everybody will be there. And so Jeannie kind of starts this out. There's a party here in Agrabah. There's excitement in the air. People pouring in from near and far because Jasmine and Aladdin are going to have a wedding. So now we know what's going on. And that's with only in the first, like, 10 seconds of the, of the film. And we have Iago, who just cares about all the presents. And the Sultan, who is worried about the wedding actually going through. And Jasmine, who is thrilled and happy that the wedding's going to happen. And Aladdin, who thinks he's not worth it. And the thieves, who are going to steal everything. <laughs> so we have so many different layers so much excitement and then the whole town is excited and then there's like these there's a, this really sweet part where um everybody's like well where's aladdin and uh he he says you know there's a party here in agrabah and the party's all for me you know what i mean and look at here we are you know and and jasmine says something similar to that where she's like oh, now finally our dreams are going to come true we're going to get married and it's a culmination of everybody coming together you know uh, the, the funny part at the end is like they're finally getting married they're finally getting married and then iago says look at all these presents and <laughs> it's just so much fun and uh i've heard it once uh, there was a choir that covered it once and it's just so much fun to sing and to hear robin williams come back and sing another really great song because he's a good singer and i wish that they had you know he had been able to sing in other films it's just such a really fun way to start the film and set out the tone of it so that's my my last pick <laughs> who wrote the music and lyrics for the sequel that for this particular song it was david friedman and I don't know if he wrote all of the songs. Um, I think but it, he did. But Mankin didn't come back for it. No, no. no. Okay. Which is, which, yeah, which is unusual. There's a couple of them, but they're all very good. They're all really unique, and and the film's very strange. Um, but I like the TV series, so it was kind of like a continuation of that. And all the characters work well with one another, so I really like that aspect. And and having Aladdin's father come back into the picture. It's very, it, you're, you're not expecting that. So I, I think that that was really interesting. So that was my pick. <laughs> and I love Robin Williams. He does all his impressions. It's like a really lovely way for him to show off his Rocky and Walter Cronkite and his surfer dude impressions. It's really cool. <laughs> That's a really fun one. I remember not only owning the VHS, but I remember that song being used really prominently in the trailer for the film before it debuted on video and it's one of those things where if you, you know if you grew up with disney vhs you saw the same previews over and over and over again so i feel like i have that song stuck in my head um from from that period but also too there's some interesting kind of disney connections in that film so you mentioned aladdin's father who was voiced by john reese davies who was sala from indiana jones so Yes. And, and it's funny, I was looking up information about it and he did not sing his song, Father and Son, but the gentleman who did and- Tell me it's Jim Cummings. Is it Jim Cummings? No, it's oh, actually okay. not Jim Cummings. Um, he was a Broadway star and it was interesting. We went to go see Adam's Family on Broadway and we had front row seat tickets. Nathan Lane was supposed to be Mr. Adams Gomez. And it was one of the nights he called out. 
So this poor guy had to go in his place and with a lot of people really upset, it's not Nathan Lane. Did a fantastic job. And then when I looked in the program, it said he did Aladdin and the King of Thieves. And I went, what did he do? And he was the voice for uh, John Reese davies uh, the singing voice. And unfortunately, I just found out he passed away in March due to cancer at like the age of 60. So um, very, very sad, but a very beautiful voice. Very lovely voice. Hmm. Trying to look up who, who understood Ethan Lane real mm -hmm. quickly. Because now I'm curious as heck. Let's see. Um, Jim Borstelman? Jim Borstelman. That's what. Is that his name? I'm looking it up too. No, it's a, it, his name was Merwin Ford. F O A R D. I don't know him. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. He, he was, we loved him in the Broadway show. My mom. Uh, said to him, you did a great job at like at the very end when everybody's taking their bow and he kind of said, thank you. You know what I mean? Because, you know, some people had walked out, but he did a very good job. We were, he was very funny. So um, bravo to him and, and being a part of that project too. Cool. Well, Aladdin and the King of Thieves gets some love here on Notably Disney. Jeff, what is your final pick? I feel like five. we need to work some Sherman Brothers in here. Yes, so, please. Of course, lyrics, <laughs> lyrics by Robert Sherman and the music by Richard Sherman. And the song is The Age of Not Believing from Bedknobs and Broomsticks. When you rush around in hopeless circles, searching everywhere for something true, you're at the age of not believing when all the make-believe is through. And I love these lyrics. When, when you, you rush around in hopeless circles, searching everywhere for something true, you're at the age of not believing when all the make-believe is through. When you set aside your childhood heroes and your dreams are lost up on a shelf, you're at the age of not believing. And worst of all, out yourself and I just think that that's such an interesting period of time in somebody's life when you know you do reach that point I think I mean maybe it's just because it's this time of year but like it makes me think of Santa Claus right you're at the age of not believing when all the make-believe is through that's like that's kind of a sad moment in life when you just stop believing in certain things and then I feel like at some point you you age you know, you get old enough where you're just like, I don't really care if it's not cool to believe in certain things. I'm gonna believe because I want to. And I don't know. I just think it's such beautiful lyrics um, in that song from Bedknobs and Broomsticks. And Disney Aww. legend Angela Lansbury, too. So, yeah. of course. It's such a pretty song. I think that movie doesn't get a lot of love, too. And now they just announced the musical's going to happen over in the UK. Did you yeah, hear about that? I did. I'm hoping the timing works out well. I am now trying for the second time to go see Back to the Future the Musical in London. My trip earlier this year got canceled due to COVID. And so I have a ticket to go see that in early September of 2021. And uh, Bedknobs and Broomsticks is going to open in August, it sounds like. So maybe the timing will, will work out where I'll get to see it, which would be kind of cool. Oh, yeah. And to hear that song live, it's such a bitter sweet song and i think the sherman brothers are able to capture that the emotion is is what they are always able to capture everybody goes to feed the birds and oh absolutely like that, that song is hands down probably their best song 
But the age of not believing is very bittersweet and, and sad because it's the loss of innocence, right? So I think that's a really good, really good pick too. I always loved it. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's um, I don't have all, the whole bed knobs and broomsticks uh, soundtrack on my phone, but that's uh, one of the few. So that's a good one. Um, my final pick um, is actually in the Aladdin universe as well. And I wanted to recognize um, one of Howard Ashman's songs um, for that production. Um, he provided the lyrics, whereas Al Minkin provided the music for Prince Ali. Prince Ali, fabulous he, Ali Ababwa. Can you flex, show some respect down on one knee? Now try your best to stay calm. Brush up your Sunday salon. Then come and meet his spectacular coterie. Uh, I would also say Friend Like Me is in the same uh, league. I just wanted to give Prince Holly a little bit more love just because I feel like Friend Like Me is perhaps a little bit more um, kind of like a Be Our Guest. It's it's more prominent, I would say, in the Disney discourse. But Prince Ali also is fantastic. It was nominated for a Golden Globe. And it has a very recognizable rhythm um, with the initial bum ba da dum ba da dum bum 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 and you hear that and you instantly know you're transported to a very flamboyant parade where kind of like what you're saying there with, there's a party here in Agrabah um, there, Tammy. Um, we get to hear a lot of Williams impressions, maybe a dozen or so in the span of a few minutes. Each of the lyrics is really unique. It's extremely fast paced. There's actually um, multiple uh, voices coming through at the same time at moments where um, you hear the genie as well as um, uh, the harem girls and other uh, characters in the space. It's it's so impressive, so inventive, and it really illustrates um, the extravagance of Prince Ali, but also just the uh, sheer range of uh, clever lyrics that uh, Ashman was able to develop um, in this short time span. But you kind of like all these other effective songs, they really capture the moment. And here we have our understanding of what Prince Ali is supposed to represent, but um, it's just so cool. Um, I love um, some of the different lines, like um, he, he faced the galloping hordes, a hundred bad guys with swords who sent those goons to their lords, why Prince Ali? Um, it's just, it's so entertaining. It always puts a smile on my face and I think it's super clever. Um, the, the reprise is a little bit different, um, and Tim Rice uh, handled the lyrics for, for that uh, portion, so we want to certainly recognize um, that there are some differences there. And the 2019 version actually got some flack um, because of some changes with the lyrics, um, including the line, heard your princess was hot. Um, that didn't go over well with some, um, some fans and, and viewers, but ultimately the original Prince Ali from 1992's Aladdin is a clever song and one that I love. Nice. I, yeah. I love doing, I love doing the stage show of that as a kid. Cause there was like a, again, a junior version for MTI that we did in middle school and everybody had a hard part with the last part, which I knew by heart, which was with 60 elephants, llamas galore with his bears and lions, a brass band and more with his 40 bakers, his cooks, his bakers, his birds that warble on key. And it's just so much fun to sing. And, and it's so fast. And I helped a group of my friends and we got it down before we did the show, but it's so much fun. Cause it, again, it's the, the, the exciting part of the having roll off your tongue. Cause it just, work so well. 
Yeah, it's a mouthful for sure. And that it's always what should be a mess isn't. And I mean, that's, uh, that's the proof of a talented lyricist right there, right? I'm sure I'd love to hear some of the, you know, other versions that didn't make the cut. Because it would probably be interesting because I'm sure he laid over that and was like, nope, that's, that really is too much of a mouthful. We need something that really flows nicely. And uh, that's what he ended up. And it is, it's quite brilliant, that little portion you just mentioned. Absolutely. No, it's, um, it's phenomenal um, in every sense of the word. And I recognize we are now at the point where we've shared our top picks. And I want to uh, definitely recognize that uh, each of us has some honorable mentions um, just to quickly share some other examples of clever songs that didn't quite make our top five, but deserve some attention. So um, Jeff, would you mind starting us off? Sure. I, you know, first of all, Hellfire is absolutely clever because they got that into a Disney animated feature. That's amazing. Uh, I, I don't know how that got the green light to, yeah, put Hellfire in Hunchback and Notre Dame. That works. I think that that's absolutely brilliant. Uh, watch What Happens from the Broadway musical Newsies. Oh, my gosh. That song. Oh, is that song is cool. so hard to sing, too. <laughs> <laughs> that song is a mouthful. Lyrics by Jack Feldman. Um, and it's a mouthful, but it's so much fun and tells such a great story. Absolutely love that. I love the song One More Sleep Till Christmas from Muppet Christmas Carol. I just love that song, that phrase, One More Sleep. Uh, it's a phrase that my mom definitely used uh, with me as a kid. And it's, I think it's something that kids get and it just immediately evokes uh, this youthful spirit when it's said. So One More Sleep Till Christmas. Circle of Life, I mean, from the day we arrived on this planet to the moment from, uh, then blinking stepped into the sun. I love that blinking stepped into the sun. It's another one of those things that it just immediately paints a picture, gives a memory uh, for you. Beautiful. I love, oh, just If I Can't Love Her from the Broadway musical Beauty and the yes. Beast. I love, what I love about when they turn them into Broadway musicals are the orchestral similarities from the animated film to the Broadway stage. So that, you know, from the animated film, everybody knows that bum, 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 which in the animated film is simply background score. But in the case of If I Can't Love Her, they add lyrics to it, make it a song, and they do that a lot. And I think that that is super clever and brilliant because what it's doing is it's making a, song, a new song recognizable to the audience immediately. And in some cases, they may not even know why, but it's because they've heard it over and over again. In the movie. I think that's great. And then Aladdin on Broadway with Friends Like Me. I just love the way that that was arranged, including songs from other Mencken musicals. Uh, if you haven't heard it, it's super clever. And the last one I got here is simply get your head in the game from High School Musical because uh, the way that they use the basketballs and, uh, you know, part of the orchestration is really clever in my opinion. I probably ended on a really lame one there, but I still think it's Oh, fun. no, you no, did not, not. Don't you dare call High School Musical lame. <laughs> I lo I'm, so, I'm actually surprised it's on your list. <laughs> and no, it's, uh, it's, it's really, I mean, it's a clever song, right? Probably not my favorite song in the show, and definitely not my favorite song in the show, but I think that the way that the basketballs are used is very clever. Yes, yeah. Uh, and it's Kenny Ortega, and mm -hmm. he's worked with, 
Michael Jackson. He did Hocus Pocus. He's worked with everyone. And his his uh, choreography matched with the music is like on par. I think a lot of people, you know, do minuscule hate on High School Musical. I just think it's not necessary. I grew up with that again, too. I remember the day it premiered. And I remember sitting in my seat and watching it. And I loved it. It's, uh, in my opinion, it's this generation's, at least my generation's, Grease. And we loved it. You know what I mean? So I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, some of my uh, mentions, because I didn't pick a Richard uh, Sherman and a, and a Robert Sherman <laughs> song, and I should have. Um, but I love the one and only Genuine Original Family Band and The Happiest Millionaire because I love John Davidson and I love Leslie and Warren together. I love that pairing. So I love Bout Time where they talk about, you know, about time to either sink or swim, let's swim, enough said. And it's just so cute. Like that's a really lovely romantic song. And for the happiest millionaire, Bayum Pum Pum, I think is so much fun because what girl doesn't go to a sleepover party and dance and act silly and, you know, talk about guys and, and it's just so silly. <laughs> so I love the way Joyce um, Bullifant and Leslie Ann Warren kind of work off of each other with this phrase, bayam pum pum. Uh, so I love that one. I love Pete's dragon. Uh, I love all of the, the cast in that is just superb. They, they believe in what they're doing, which makes the film for me, especially Jim Dale singing every little piece um, with red buttons. I think they doing th that villain song is so funny to watch every time. Um, I love Doug live. The TV show yeah. Doug had yeah. a stage show. <laughs> That's a good uh, one. I love street. Yes. Oh God. That was my, that was my honorable mention. I love that song. So cute and pretty. Um, Beauty and the Beast, the Enchanted Christmas, another sequel. I love Belle's song stories about her wanting to share a story with the beast to, um, gain the connection with him. I think, Paige O'Hara knocks it out of the park because that is a hard song to sing to and uh, perfectly perfect from Cinderella 3 a twist in time I think everybody actually ranks that film as the best of any sequel any Disney sequel I agree with them and I think it's fun because again it's a it's an introduction to what the Prince Cinderella are doing uh the friends fairy godmother Jack and Gus and what uh, Anastasia, the ugly stepsister, would like from life, which is a love of her own. So uh, I love, I love how I love that song too. So those are my honorable mentions that didn't make my top five. <laughs> oh, fantastic all around! Um, some more that I'll throw into the mix for my honorable mentions: Zero to Hero from Hercules. Um, it's zippy, upbeat, gets you in a great mood. It has some really super lyrics. Um, I love the line Moxie, Brains, and Spunk. Um, and there's also playful pronunciation of vase versus vase. Um, so that's uh, kind of fun. A cover is not the book from Mary Poppins Returns, which is also super fast. And we get a section that um, really channels Miranda, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's uh, clever, uh, cleverness and quickness with the wordplay. There's some rapping. Um, I, I think it's just phenomenal um, in, in so many ways. And there's so much packed in there. There's a lot of um, innuendo too, which is interesting. Um, my Sherman Brothers love manifests in terms of recognizing a, an unusual villain song, which is Heffalumps and Woozles. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, words like confusal and choozles uh, has a bouncy flair at times like Tigger. There's talking honeypots, warning poo. It's very fast and terrifying. And it also has a lot of repetitive lyrics 
that build fear and confusion. And I think that's a signature trait um, in the Sherman Brothers in terms of uh, using the same uh, lyrics a number of times, but it's um, continually engaging. Um, also, too, I want to recognize their Meek and Memories uh, song from Magic Journeys, which was um, uh, actually, I first heard it on the Disneyland Fun uh, VHS, but um, it, it's most uh, associated with the Magic Journeys um, uh, show, a 3D show that was first played at Epcot. And um, that has a lot of great wordplay that um, really reflects the early age of cameras. Um, and it's just absolutely beautiful and fun. And, and I think in many ways, uh, quite clever. So. Uh, yeah, folks, we've, we've covered a lot of clever songs, some that are very mainstream, others much more niche, and I think ultimately are really reflective of the Disney catalog of brilliance. So, um, Tammy, Jeff, uh, any final thoughts as we wrap things up? We need to create our own Disney musical. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for including me in this uh, and, you know, talk about Disney music all day. It's a tough ask to pick your favorites whenever it comes to anything Disney music, but I think that we came up with some pretty cool and unique lists here. We had no matching ones. Did you hear? That was pretty, I was like, good, right? there we go. We all got our own <laughs> ones that none of our ma none of them match. So that was cool. <laughs> and across all domains of Disney, right? From the mainstream films to the direct-to-video sequels on Broadway and so many different spaces. The parks, yeah. yeah. So many spaces. I so. dated myself. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm the young one of the group. <laughs> the baby. We're just five years old. <laughs> I can't, Thank you guys so much for uh, for hanging out with me. And Brett, thank you for inviting me because this is always fun to kind of get away from everything. And uh, I had a blast. This was really nice just to kind of focus on Disney music because I haven't been doing that recently. And I find a joy in there that, distracts me from the now and uh that's always uh welcome <laughs> absolutely well you know what clever music um can bring us to another time and place much like any good music and often lift our spirits along the way so thank you for, both for joining me on this journey and ryan and i think um all of us have a lot more music to listen to now now that we've heard each other's picks so thank you both again. Oh, yeah, I got my Dick Tracy on the list. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks again to both Tammy and Jeff for coming on Notably Disney. I had an absolute blast talking about clever Disney songs with both of them. I think you can also appreciate the uniqueness of some of their picks, whether it be The Age of Not Believing from Bedknobs and Broomsticks or even Toys from Geppetto. It was quite a mix and uh, I definitely enjoyed the conversation. Hope you did too. I encourage you to check out both of their podcasts. For Tammy, that's going to be the Tierra talk show. Uh, one of her recent episodes featured a really distinct guest, uh, one of the original mermaids from the Submarine Voyage Lagoon, so check that out. And on Disney Coast to Coast with Jeff, that's Disney with spelled with a Z as in Zerg. Uh, one recent episode focused on Disney's various adaptations of A Christmas Carol. And you can check out DisneyCoastToCoast.com. So glad to have both of them on Notably Disney. Thanks again for joining me on another episode of Notably Disney. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Follow me on Twitter at Reports. That's B-N-A-C-H-M-A-N reports. 
and be among the first to find out about the release of new episodes. I also encourage you to send me an email to NotablyDisney at gmail.com regarding your thoughts of the show, as well as suggestions for content. So until we turn the page on another chapter, I'm Brett, and thanks for listening to Notably Disney. Notably Disney is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or any of its subsidiaries. Consequently, the perspectives and opinions expressed by the host and guests are strictly theirs and do not represent the views of the Walt Disney Company and its employees. The main purpose of the Notably Disney podcast is to offer information and critiques about the Walt Disney Company.